to this morning. Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, 11. Luke 17, 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. He was going into a village, as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, social distancing, leprosy, social distancing. (laughs) Exactly how it could be. You could not get close to people who had leprosy uh, in those those days, way back then. And called out in a loud, loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan who would be a foreigner. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. It's been a rough year, Lord, and we come to Thanksgiving Sunday. Speak to us. In Christ's name, amen. A man by the name of Niccolo Paganini, famed violinist, 1782 to 1840. And unless you're a musician, you probably have never heard of this man's name. Celebrated in his day, famous, traveled all over Europe. One evening, evening he was performing before a packed house. Full orchestra surrounded him. And as he began to play his final number, one of the strings broke on his violin. It appeared that it didn't even phase him. He kept right on playing with the other three strings. And as he would go a little bit further into this final number, another string broke on his violin. And it appeared that it didn't even phase him. Paganini playing on two strings. Then, when he got near the end of that final number, a third string broke, and he would finish his concert on one string. And at the end, everybody stood up, applauded the great Paganini, And he got ready to do the encore. He held up his violin, and he said this. 
Paganini on one string. And he did the encore on one string. The point of the story is this right here. You may have but one string to play. This year has turned out to be a one-string year, hasn't it, now? It's a one-string year. COVID, unemployment, lockdown, holidays, political mess. 2020 has turned out to be a one-string year. But if we have only one string to play, I ask us to play it with thankfulness. The attitude of thankfulness, the spirit of gratitude, can make all the difference in the world, even with only one string. The power of thankfulness. About fifth, true story, I'm going to tell you here. About 15 years ago, the Community Foundation there in Angola brought in a motivational speaker. He was a Christian man, but that wasn't the reason they brought him in. It just turned out that way. Others had heard this man speak ahead of time. Brought in one man for one day for a one-hour speech. Served cookies and coffee at the end of the speech, and no one stayed around to eat the cookies and coffee. The event was free to those who wanted to attend. And there was a big promotion to get all the factory owners and all the, the shifted leaders and the foremans and just, just everybody, anybody who was a leader of people in any way, a huge push in the community. Everyone was invited. And I'm going to say there was probably 400 people there. I went too. 400 people there. The cost to bring in this one speaker for one hour for one day was $25,000. And what are you thinking right now? <laughs> yeah, and he had spoke all over the nation. His whole speech was on attitude. Your attitude is everything. Everything rises and falls on the attitude of the leader. And if the leader is able to produce a positive, and he actually used this word, thankful attitude in others, that leader will accomplish a hundred times more than any other leader. So the motivation for paying $25,000 for one day, one speaker, one hour was the fact that he says, if you bring me to, my, to your community and pay me $25,000, I will increase, within six months after I'm here, I will increase the production value in your community up to 2.5 million, 100 times, 100 times. I guess it worked because I'm still talking about him. You know? <laughs> I'm still talking about him. And he gave me his uh, autograph books and tapes and all that, a bunch of stuff you, you, you could buy. But the power of thankfulness, 
a hundred times. Think about that. So you may have but one string to play, but if you play it with the attitude of thankfulness, your influence is a hundredfold over those who just kind of go through life and let it happen. Chuck Swindoll is the best one I've ever read on the attitude of thankfulness. And instead of me preaching it, you know, I'm just going to read it to you, okay? It's just a whole lot better. Everyone has, has heard this at one time or another. Any Chuck Swindoll followers out here? Anybody follow Chuck Swindoll? A few? Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's kind of a little over the hill now, but you can still get him on YouTube every once in a while. Now, back in his day, this is Chuck Swindoll. The longer I live, the more I realize the importance of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, the education, the money, than circumstances, than failure, than success, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced, and here's the important sentence right here, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with us. We are in charge of our attitude, and if we have an attitude of thankfulness, we can be a hundred times more effective than if we just walk through life and just let things happen. 10% of what happens to us, 90% of how I choose to react to it. We've all seen situations. We've just seen it lived out right in front of us. We've all seen situations where two people look at the same situation and have a different mindset and come to a totally different conclusion. As you go through life, you just, just are there in meetings or whatever. You just come to a different, different conclusion. One person would, be, would look at a certain situation and they would be motivated to do something. Another person would look at the very same situation and they would be discouraged and throw in the towel. One person would look at a situation and say, wow, I'm thankful for that situation. Another person would look at a situation and say, wow, that's bad. How did that happen? In fact, let me preach this for a while. The Apostle Paul He's a good one at this. Study how he responded to opposition. Sometimes when he looked at the opposition, he said, I'm going to stay put because I have opposition and the spirit of the Lord is great. So sometimes opposition, those are his words from the scripture, he was motivated by the opposition. And I cannot deny, he said, sometimes the opposition is so great, I'm going to close the door, dust, uh, take the dust off my feet and walk on. If we are totally honest with ourselves, let's just be honest. 
We've all needed help at one time or another with our attitude, haven't we? We may need help daily with our attitude. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the right frame of mind, you have been thankful for those who have helped you see things differently. I know that as my life unfolds and where I find myself today in life, and I look back, I look back, but I still am looking forward, okay? I am thankful that I have had people in my life who have helped me see things from a different perspective than what I saw at first. Very, very thankful. Thankfulness is a choice. It's a choice. Thankfulness is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. It seems to me like thankfulness should be one of the fruits of the Spirit. It just should be. There are nine fruits of the Spirit mentioned there in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And the fruit of the Spirit is the natural outgrowth of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And to me, it seems like one of the natural outgrowths of the Holy Spirit working in our lives is thankfulness. It should be a fruit, but it's not there. I don't understand why. Mm -mm. Thankfulness is not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are 12 gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, you Bible scholars, you might come up with a different list of, but I'm going to use 12, okay? If you've got a different list, that's great. There are many gifts of the Holy Spirit. But thankfulness is not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mentioned Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians, Ephesians 4. But it just seems to me like thankfulness would be one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If it's not one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, it's not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know why it's not? Because thankfulness isn't something that is produced within us it isn't something that someone else gives us. Thankfulness is a choice that you and I make. It's a choice. We need to choose every day whether or not we are going to be thankful. It's our choice whether we're going to be a negative, sour person and push others away. It is our choice whether we're going to be a grateful person, a thankful person, and have others attracted to us. Because ungratefulness, no one wants to be around you. Every so often, you'll find ungrateful people saying things like this. I can't help it. That's just the way I am. I always see things badly. I was born that way. Well, negative Debbie and Donnie Downers, the rest of us just aren't attracted to your attitude. My whole family's that way, you say. And if your whole family that way and all your friends are that way, ungrateful, ungrateful, my heart goes out to you. But I say this to you, that with the help of the Holy Spirit, and with a huge dose of self-discipline, you don't have to be the ungrateful one. 
the Debbie Downers. You can break that pattern in your family. In fact, I challenge you to break that pattern in your family. Be the one who plants the seeds of thankfulness in your family. Plant the seeds of thankfulness in your, in your family for future generations so that they will reap the harvest of goodness from the seeds that you plant. You can break the mold. For your kids' sake, break the mold. For your grandkids' sake, break the mold. For your sake, break the mold. Do something different. And thankful people just see things differently, don't they? They don't look at the things that they lack. They look at the things that they have. Read a story this week about the wounded soldier who was given the gift of a free house. Wounded. Warrior. Going to spend the rest of his life looking at his wounds and dealing with his inabilities because he was in a war. And at the banquet, where he was presented with the deed to a brand new house built just for him and his family, he nearly fell over with thankfulness. He ran onto the stage with his one leg. He threw his arm around the presenter and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. He ran over to the guitar player in the band. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you. He ran back down the stage to the women in the front row, which I don't know whether he knew them or not, but he went down the row, thank you, thank you, thank you, and all that. Then he hugged the waiters in the banquet room, thank you, thank you, thank you. He went back up to the presenter and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. He lost it with the thank yous. And we would say maybe he had just one string. But he had a thankful heart. He saw things differently. A visiting farmer stopped at a city restaurant to eat lunch. Visiting farmer, I like farmer stories, stopped at a city restaurant to eat lunch. And when he was served his food, he bowed his head and gave thanks to the Lord. Some teenagers sitting nearby the table noticed the farmer praying and shouted, said, hey, pops, back where you come from, does everybody pray before they eat? And after the laughter had silenced in the restaurant, the on-mood farmer answered, no, the hogs don't. Mm-hmm. Back to our scripture reading. And with this I'll end. Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the cross, several months away the cross is, he comes into a town, ten lepers come to him, they shout out, have mercy on us. And Jesus doesn't heal them immediately. This is interesting. He does not heal them on the spot. Instead, he says to them, go show yourself to the priest. And as they walked down the dusty road to go see the priest, 
with every step, I have to think, their skin started to heal. Their skin started to heal. When I was in college with the Genesians, we traveled. In fact, we came to Beulah Missionary Church when it was downtown on a Sunday evening. And I was the leper that did not get healed. And afterwards, the kids would come up to me and want to look at my sores, you know. I was the leper in that play that did not get healed. So these leprosy stories all... In fact, the, the, the makeup crew, everyone was a part of the makeup crew because they wanted to see how bad they could make my sores look. <laughs> that was not nice of them, was it? But, uh, but I had sores all over my body. Walked around in rags. Yeah, I was the leper that did not get healed. That had, had nothing to do with this, really, I guess, does it? All, all of that. But as they took each step heading towards the priest, they got more and more healed. But only one of them comes back. Why didn't the other nine come back? I don't really know, but listen to this. Nine reasons why the other nine did not come back. One waited to see if the cure was real. One waited to see if it would last. One said, I'll go find Jesus later. One decided that he never had leprosy. One said that he would have gotten well anyways. One gave the glory to the priest. One said, well, Jesus really didn't do it, did he? It just happened as we were walking. Another one said a rabbi could have done it. Any rabbi could have done it. And still another one said, I was already much improved. You know, one of the things I want to do when I get to heaven, and this will take me many, many, are there years in heaven? It will take me a long time in heaven. But it would really be fun, interesting, to run down the people whose stories are in the Bible, but we do not know their names. Their stories are in the Bible, but we do not know their names. Just give you some examples. You'll hear me talk about this many times over the next few months, this type of thing. Wouldn't it be interesting to talk to the shepherds the first Christmas who heard the angels, saw the stars, and really went to see baby Jesus for the first time? Wouldn't it be interesting to talk to the little boy who had the five loaves and the two small fish and Jesus said, give it to me? I'd really like to talk to that little boy's mom because mom sent him to the market to buy the meal. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to talk to the soldier? And for those of you who are listening to The Chosen, I believe that soldier has already been introduced to us in the, in the Chosen. But wouldn't it be nice to talk to the Roman soldier at the cross who said, Surely this was the Son of God. And wouldn't it be nice to have the rest of the story and talk to the one leper who came back? I don't know if the other nine are in heaven or not. It would be nice to talk to all nine, all ten. But talk to the one who came back. And here are some of the questions I would ask him. 
I'd really like to know what made him come back. I really would. So why did you come back? Why were you different than the rest? Didn't you fit in with the other group, the rest of the group? Were you always thankful even though you had leprosy? Did you have leprosy longer than the others? Therefore, when you were healed, boy, I'm going to thank the person who healed me. No, we'd just sit down in our own little corner of heaven, and you, you could all listen in if you wanted to, to my questions for him. Did your thankful attitude continue beyond that one time when you saw Jesus and he healed you? Did you reap the rewards of a life of thankfulness after you were healed and others were attracted to you? How many did you influence? Because of your thankfulness, how many did you influence to follow the Lord? Was your life blessed a hundred times over? Because the man with leprosy, he didn't even have one string to play in that society. He didn't even have one string to play. He was an outcast. The attitude of thankfulness. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. Respond with thankfulness. You may be down to just one string to play. Play it with thankfulness. Because life is just a whole lot better when you're thankful. It just really is. Let's end there. So thank you, God, for our congregation. Thankful, thank you that you put within our heart the ability to be thankful even when we have only one string to play. In Christ's name, amen.